It's uh, lovely to have you here this morning and welcome to those who are here for the first time. Uh, we have people from all over the world today, even Uganda. It's uh, lovely to have you, Moses. Welcome, welcome. Please, in the next uh, couple of weeks, pray for those who will be on school, on camps, SU camps. Josh is leading a couple of, are you leading both or just one? Um, yeah, yeah, well, he's in leadership in both, um, in a sense. Uh, two gents camps, uh, where are they? One at Lennox Head. In, one at Yandina, one at Lennox Head. So pray for, for Josh as he directs and leads those camps and uh, for those boys who will be going on those camps as well. That'll be a full-on time and uh, some of our Pays guys will be there as well. And that's why Moses has come from Uganda. Uh, there will be another trip to Uganda with, some, with Josh and others to lead gents camps there in July, August time. And uh, Moses and... Sorry? Arthur, that's correct. Yeah, that's right. Arthur, uh, who's not with us this morning, have come to join in with the, the gents camps to learn uh, so that they can be better doing gents camps in Uganda, which happened for the very first time last year, and it was really good, wasn't it? It was really successful. Just before I preach, I'd like to uh, just invite Ray and Enid to come on, you can come up here and be on show for a minute. I like putting people on show. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Why have we got a cross in the middle of the floor? Just so I won't wander away. Well, that'll take care of that. <laughs> Ray and Enid Kivers have been here, we're part of this church family for a while. This is their last uh, Sunday with us. Uh, yeah, oh, it is a shame. Uh, due to health issues, uh, Ray and Enid have chosen to move over to the south side to Park Ridge and they'll be closer to their family, particularly the son Jeff and another daughter, and uh, haven't decided what church they'll be going to just yet. Probably Sunnybank Baptist or Church of Christ. Jeff, their son, and their, their, their grandson Dan is the youth pastor at Sunnybank Baptist Church. Oh, Daniel, sorry. I said Dan, didn't I said Dan? Yeah. So we want to say how blessed we've been to have you with us. And we... Uh, sad to see you go, but we know that God is leading you down there and it'll be great to be with the family. Uh, we want to pray for you today and uh, ask God to bless you. And whatever church you go to, bless that church by you being there. Let's pray for Ray and Eden. Father, we go say thank you for Ray and Eden and for their contribution here, for their smiles, for their faith, for the way in which they've affected us every time that they've been here. Thank you, Father, that your body is far bigger than we can even imagine or think. It's worldwide. And we are so rejoicing, dear God, today that uh, we together will never be separated as your body. Even in eternity, there we will be in greater fellowship still. But as we say, say goodbye to Ray and Enid as they travel uh, just to the south side, but as they move house and as they take up residence in their new place. We pray your blessing upon their lives. We pray, Father, 
that you would give them um, a smooth move and Father, a really great uh, settling in into their really nice new place. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon their lives. Thank you that you've not um, just walked away from Ray as he's walking through his health issues and we pray your healing upon his life, Digon. We pray, Father, that you would touch his body and rid him of this cancer and ask, Father, that you would raise him up and strengthen Enid in the midst of this journey. But as they settle in a new church, cause them to be a blessing. We pray for that church, whichever one that is that they go to. And we pray for their leaders and for their fellowship and ask, dear God, that the benefit that they will have having Ray and Enid with them will be just so felt, even from the first day. So bless this couple. Thank you for them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a clap. Yay. Did you want to say, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to thank the ladies so very much for the craft group. Um, They've just been great. That's good. Did you hear that? Good. Go on here, Ray. Ray's an old farmer, shaking his hands like holding a T-bone steak. (laughs) You always get it swallowed up in the middle of it. It's great. This is the third week of our series, The Other Guy. And uh, for those who are first time with us, The Other Guy we refer to as the Holy Spirit because sometimes in, in the Christian church we can refer to him as just that other guy. He's just sort of tacks on at the end. But we think that he is really important and he is really special. And there is a need for us to have... Um, continued relationship with him because it's Jesus is with us through his spirit and his Holy Spirit this Holy Spirit this one who is a person speaks to us continually and he is the one who guides us and directs us he is the one who empowers us to be the people that God has called us to be and so the first week we spoke about the powerful guy and uh, how it is that Back in the, in the book of Acts, it says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. He gives us power to be his witnesses, to stand for him, and to shine his light into dark places. Last week, we spoke, uh, we had a look at the giving guy. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, we looked at some of the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit that are relevant for us today, that are continuing to be relevant for us as uh, right up until the church age ends, if you like, right up until eternity. And uh, we discussed how it is that, that the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us gifts for the common good. They're for the good of the body of Christ. And in Corinth, there was those issues that were happening. Some were having uh, some of those gifts. And, and in that culture, there was, and I'll talk a little bit more about Corinth today, but there was this culture of more superiority if you had the gifts. And if you didn't have particular gifts, then the sense of inferiority. And then in the second half of that chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it talks about the body of Christ and how each of us have a place. And it's not just this in the local church, but as we consider our community and the other local churches, 
We each have function within community and within the body of Christ. We all complement one another. So what happens here, the fingerprint of God upon this church, this local church, would probably be different from North Pine Baptist Church as they talk to Duncan Moody, the pastor over there. There is a fingerprint of God upon his, uh, that church there. And it's like that so that we complement one another and we work together, stand shoulder to shoulder as we serve God in our community together. So today we move on from uh, the giving guy, this guy that interacts with our lives and wants to pour out his gifts on each one of us. This guy who wants to pour himself out into each one of us so that we are effective for him. And so today we talk about the loving guy. As we... Uh, we'll zip it. Hang on. I should play. So the loving guy. It's been a real joy to be tag-teaming with, um, oops, with Tim, oops, um, put that thing down, uh, as Tim teaches on Sunday nights and I do in the mornings, Tim's such a great blessing to me and I just want to honour Tim today, he's a blessing to our church and it's great that we get together to hang out and talk about this stuff and yet express our own personality and the way that God speaks through us individually. Now the in chapter 1, oh, chapter 13 of uh, 1 Corinthians is one of those most beautiful chapters or passages in the Bible. One of those really well-known ones, just like the 23rd Psalm or the Lord's Prayer or, and, and others. This is one of those passages in Scripture that is so well-known, particularly if you attend many weddings. Uh, it's one of those ones or it's used in funerals as well. And it's one of those passages that we use as a standalone passage that talks and describes what love is. And indeed, it is a great uh, passage of Scripture. Um, it's that faint, everybody refers to it as the love chapter, don't they? And people will say to me if, uh, if they're asking me to do a wedding or they're asking me to do a funeral and they want this, they say, we want that, um, that, that love chapter one. And uh, because it describes love in itself, whilst it's often used as a standalone passage, it's a part of a story, though. It's a part of a story of this whole letter called First Corinthians. It links in with First Corinthians 12, First Corinthians 14. As both those talk about the spiritual gifts, this is this one sandwiched in the middle that describes how the motivation is that we are to use the spiritual gifts in love. It talks about even that uh, people would say that this is far more important than talking about the spiritual gifts because Paul, in the last verse uh, of 1 Corinthians 12, says that I'm going to show you a more excellent way and then get launches straight into, uh, into love. Some people would say that it even uh, supersedes the gifts and it's something that you don't need to worry about the gifts anymore because you've got the love. Well, I would say that that's not true. The gifts are important and they're given to us for the building up of the body. They're given to us so that we might exercise them and so that we might receive them, we might exercise them and we might receive the gift of the gift from others. 
So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even some of those supernaturally ones, are just as important. But here in this, it's, it's talking about the importance of love. This week we saw the, uh, the deluge of, the Debbie deluge, if you like, uh, coming down from North Queensland and we even seeing the, the outfall of it still today as even Rockhampton today is looking to have the, the worst flood since about 1954 or something like that uh, because of all the, the water accumulating and coming, running down to, to uh, Rockhampton. We, I was looking at the, the news the other day in Chindera in northern New South Wales and how the floods come straight into that place in, in Lismore and um, two foot or 60, 600 mil over the, the levee bank straight into Lismore CBD. Uh, some of that is quite devastating, isn't it? And the interviews with the people of how they've had to be evacuated from their homes and they've had to have leave everything behind and so that they can be safe. What they're doing is saying, people, we need to get you out because there is a more important thing to happen. We need to save your life. Your house can be rebuilt. Your things can be replaced. But you are more important than those things. There's that greater value of safety for the community of people. You see, education, business, anything loses its value if it doesn't have the people, doesn't it? So the people are more, and the people's safety is far more important. There is something greater that Paul calls us to. Something greater than just the exercise of the gifts. And this greater thing is love. No matter what happened in his life, where he went, what he did, Paul was motivated by one thing. This one thing, his love for Jesus. His love spurred him on. His love caused him to walk through prisons, get beaten, uh, be shipwrecked. No matter where he went or what he did, the love of Christ, as it says in 2 Corinthians, the love of Christ constrained him or kept him going. And it says even in uh, uh, Romans 5 from the same author, Paul, where he, he talks about during our struggles or our, uh, our tribulations comes perseverance and from perseverance comes character and from character comes hope. But it's all right because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts and has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So this love that he gives to us is that thing that he asks us, it says, be motivated by this love. Hang on. This is my first point. There's broken up into three parts in this chapter is the preeminence of love. You can read that for yourself. I'm not going to go through it again. It can, it'll sit up there for a little while. We can read this and we can think, oh, gee, that soothes me. Oh, gee, I feel nice. Or you can go through and love is patient, love is kind, love is not rude. <sighs> lovely but Paul isn't writing this to make the people feel lovely I want to show you that Paul brings this shock value to the Corinthian church or to the Corinthians by helping you to understand what the Corinthians was all about this was a real shock to the reader we understand I'll go back Corinth which is that 
have a look at there, uh, here, that little red dot. Corinth was situated there on that isthmus. isthmus. Who thinks up these words anyway? An isthmus. I-S-T-H-M-U-S. Isthmus. That's well, a stupid word to say if you get the difficult lift. Anyway. It was in existence, but in the year uh, 146 BC, the Roman Empire came and destroyed the, the city. But they realised that from uh, southern Greece in here to northern Greece, there was only one way to go on land, otherwise you'd have to go all the way around by boat. So Julius Caesar seized the uh, the opportunities of rebuilding the city there and he rebuilt the city so that there would be this trading center between the two parts of Greece and you know what happens if you have that ideal place to trade by what you're gonna make if you set up a trading center there money and so the Romans knew that if they set that up there they would make a lot of money and so what happened was this city became the commercial centre or the place through which people had to go for trade. It's like it was the main freeway right through uh, from one end of the, the country to the other. It was one of the biggest cities of the known world. And it was a, a city where people went uh, and they were diverse, there were lots of ethnicity, different uh, cultures... And everyone came for the specific purpose of making money and being successful. They didn't, uh, they didn't move into the place like uh, Ray and Enid are moving to Park Ridge to their retirement unit uh, because that was a nice place to live. They didn't move there for that. They came because they wanted to be successful. They wanted to ply their trade. They wanted to uh, make lots of money. That's what Corinth was all about. It was densely populated, it was highly competitive because they're all competing with one another for their business and it was totally immoral. In the hills uh, above, I, I'm thinking of the, the goddess's name, Ashtaroth, isn't it? Help me who knows the, the goddess of the false goddess of the time. Come on, you can do it. Um, anyway, there was the altars to the false goddess up on the hills and that's where the prostitutes would live in around these false, uh, this, these area up on the hills and at night time they'd come down from the hills and they'd ply their trade in Corinth. And so if you read right through 1 Corinthians, Artemis, that's it, you're right, good boy. You looked that up, did you? <laughs> it's right. I knew it was with A, but I just couldn't think of the name. So it was the Temple of Artemis up on the hills. And so they come and ply their trade. And it was this town or this city uh, that was totally immoral. And in the Roman Empire, they coined a phrase when they talked about Corinth that you, be, you would Corinthianize you would, as, a, as a verb, and it meant to live in moral depravity without any rules. To be Corinthianized is to live in moral depravity, immoral depravity or moral depravity without any rules. Interesting. It was success-orientated. It was sex-obsessed. 
And people came to make it there, not to live there. They came to make it for themselves and be successful. Now, when Paul went to Corinth, a place where the gospel will be proven to be able to change anyone, he came there with this message of the good news of Christ and he proved that this gospel could change anyone. If you could change someone in Corinth, you could change anyone. And when Corinthianizers became Christians, it became such a dynamic mix. You can imagine these highly competitive business people, these really immoral uh, people, all these Corinthianizers, no rules, no, no boundaries, do whatever you like, just as long as you made money and enjoyed yourself, however that looked like. Then these Corinthianizers became Christians. You can imagine what the mix was going to be like. And you can see right through the letter how it is that Paul dealt with some of this mix of different people. People who had tremendous gifts, the entrepreneurs, the board members of the companies, those highly successful people, those people who had high aspirations and it was dog-eat-dog world. I'm going to uh, compete with you and I'm going to slam you until I become successful. These people... Uh, who looked always to be moving. These people who were on this dynamic trail of always self-improvement, always trying to get things done. Uh, people who wanted to not just be successful, but people who did not want to settle down. These were the Corinthianizers. And there were, in the mix of it all, there were so many gifts that were evident there were so many gifts that were in amongst these people that were evident amongst them. Hang on. Hang on, I'll turn it on again. Oh, come on. Josh. 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 Two, two forward, please. Next one. Yeah, thank you. So there was this sense of this different mix. And Paul said, where there are so many gifts evident, as he was talking about even in the previous chapter, where there are so many gifts evident, we see from verse 4, the presence of love that was so important. Oops, it's working again. Love, see, next point. Love is patient, love is kind. Love, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps a record of wrongs, or no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Paul is speaking this message that ran right across how the Corinthianizers lived. Because they were opposite that. They didn't care about next bloke just as long as they were winning just as long as they were getting what they wanted just as long as they were enjoying themselves the way they wanted to do it you can see how this counteracted this message counteracted the corinthianizers message and it's another picture of these corinthian people these were really gifted people but who had so many differences and because they had so many differences, there was lots of infighting. 
There was uh, difficulty with discipline, discipline problems in the church. We can go right back through the previous chapters of 1 Corinthians and he, he speaks about sexual immorality and all of those sorts of things. And he speaks to these issues. People, imagine these people all wanting to go in different directions, all trying to do their own thing. There were so many problems. If we want to be real in a community church, if we want to be a real group of people in, in a community, guess what? Things will happen that will be a little bit messy because you get so many different people doing so many different things with so many different motivations, all coming to one thing or one group, and sometimes that just gets a little bit messy, doesn't it? You can't keep the Christian church all in this one smooth, beautiful thing all of the time if you're going to be real to a community. That's what they found in Corinth. It can be messy. You can have all of the wonderful gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, in chapter 12, but you might not even, listen to this, you might have some of the gifts, but you might not even be a Christian. I see some of the eyes go, what do you mean? You could have some of those gifts and exercise some of those gifts we see in chapter 12, but we might, you might not even be a Christian. You might exercise them in the church. You might even be present in a church, but you might not even be a Christian. That threw a little bit of a spanner in the works, didn't it? Let me explain. Paul's not against any of the gifts that we saw last week. He encourages them. He says, do them. He says, seek the best gifts. He says things like, I wish that you could all speak in tongues the way that I do. Those sorts of things. He expects those things to be evident in the church. And he wants them to be evident in the church. But these can happen in someone who has never given their heart to God. How do I know that? Because I can prove it from Matthew. From the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, it says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? In your name we drove out demons, and in your name we performed many miracles. But then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. They didn't do it in the name of Satan. They did it in the name of Jesus. Now let that sink around your little brain box for a minute. That puts a spanner in the works that people can exercise some sort of gift and yet not be connected to Christ. You're all looking at me funny is, does this sound like heresy? I don't see any nods. Okay. The Bible tells us that every, 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 every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. The Holy Spirit can use anyone in some wonderful gifts without people knowing God in relationship. 
but he cannot. Here's the, here's the limiter. He cannot bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit through their lives if he doesn't have him, if they don't have him indwelling them. The fruits come as a result of the indwelling. And what are these fruits that we talk about of the Holy Spirit, this one who empowers us, the one who dwells within us when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives? They're the ones out of Galatians 5 that are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those nine gifts of those nine fruits. There could be those other things evident in your life. Sometimes, I don't understand, but the fruit only comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Thinking about the gifts, the spiritual gifts. What sort of world would we have if we didn't have the gifts of music? There are people who don't know Jesus who are wonderful musicians and can compose beautiful music and can harmonize and, and do all of that because it's a gift of God. It's one of those gifts. There are people who help others. What, would we, what sort of world would we have if we didn't have the people who'd come alongside of others, like a counsellor or a therapist or something like that, who would come alongside and walk the journey with people and help them walk through their stuff? And we can't say that every person who, who gives therapy or gives a counsellor are a Christian person. No, they're not followers of Christ, but they have a gift that walks with people along the way. What would we do if we didn't have those wonderful gifts of healing through doctors and nurses and, and allied health people who minister to people and help them along their way? Not every doctor, not every nurse, not every allied health person, meaning a physiotherapist or occupational therapist or those sort of people, uh, or pathologist, uh, those people, not all of those follow Christ, but yet they have some wonderful gifts evident in their lives, don't they? Yeah. I'm so thankful for the scientists that developed the drug that has caused my leukemia to go into full remission. What a wonderful gift. Wonderful gift. I don't know where they're from or who they are, but there's gifts that God gives. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Do you see? God will still do good things through people who don't know him. Even the miraculous gifts can operate through someone who doesn't know God personally. And even there's counterfeit ones that comes from a powerful enemy that we have called Satan that will operate through some people as well. But some gifts, those, some of the wonderful gifts that God operates through people will happen. And they'll happen even in the church. Yeah? You all seem a bit dumbfounded. This is all new thought. I'm trying to get my head around it. But this love of God can only come through a heart that is sold out to a life that's lived for Jesus, a life in which the Holy Spirit dwells. If you don't know, when you receive Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in you. This one, this powerful one, this powerful guy, this giving guy, this loving guy. And I'm going to change the next week's to the family guy. It's this Holy Spirit that comes to dwell within us. 
And what is it that we talk about this good news of Jesus? Is it just that he came and died on a cross for us? Why is it that he did that? It was because of love. Jesus came because he loves us with an eternal love. He was hanging on a cross and his father turned his back on him because he had the whole of the sin of the world upon him. And God could not look at that. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment when the whole world was against him, even his heavenly father, even this one who had sent him. And yet because of his love, he endured the cross. Because of his love for us, he endured it. He despised the shame and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He rose from the dead because of love. He came into you to meet with you because of love. He, you are here today because he loves you and he wants you to know how much he loves you. And this love is permanent. This love is permanent. Love never, ever fails. God's love for us never fails. It's permanent. Well, where there are prophecy, they'll come to an end. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Not yet. There is knowledge, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when completeness comes at the end of time and when we come into eternity, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put uh, the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror. You see, when we receive Christ into our lives and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell... He starts to transform us from the inside out. And what it's talking about is the reflection of Christ in our lives. We can only see it dimly for now. But one day, we're going to see it fully. The image and glory of Christ will be in our lives if we trust him, if we live for him, if we accept his gift of love for us. Now, we only see see a reflection as in a mirror we shall, we shall see face to face we shall see him and we shall be like him I know in part then I shall know fully even as I am fully known you are fully known is that exciting God knows every fiber of your being Jesus knows every thought you think even before you think it Jesus knows your beginning from your end he knows. God knows the number of your days. He knows when you're heading off and sailing into eternity. That's okay. I thought mine could have been last year or this year. But as it seems, not yet. But it could be today. God knows. These things will always remain faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life will be a life that is filled with grace, God's favour. It will be a life filled with delight for God. It will be a life filled with love for others, not a life of competition. 
not a life of gossip and criticism. If we fall into gossip and criticism, we're not filled with the love of God. It's not a life like that. It's a life that is delightful, a delight in God, filled with love for others, not a life filled with the desire to be in control over others. And you can understand the Corinthianizers, they wanted to be in control, but Paul is smacking them in the face with this, with this passage and saying, whack, here, this is what love is. It's not you in competition with each other. It's not you trying to be successful above everybody else. It's not you in sexual immorality. It's you in faithfulness. It's you following Jesus. It's you loving with the love of God. It's you with the Holy Spirit in you, bringing that love for him and love for others out. Yeah? Why is this so important? That we relinquish our control to God, whose love is eternal. It is the thing that will last. It is the end, love for God and love for others. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Jesus came for love. Three things that lead towards this destination when we fully know God, faith, hope and love. Trust God, hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. Love is the best of these. I saw on uh, Facebook the other day when someone who I know is travelling in Europe and they took a photo of the Mona Lisa at the Louvre in, um, in France. Leonardo da Vinci, he's dead. Probably knows better. But something lasts as an evidence of him being here and that's that, that, that painting. Go to the Sistine Chapel and look at the roof and see how Michelangelo painted that over years. He's dead, but something lasts as, as an evidence of him. We listen to songs. I love some of the old hymns. But most of those blokes wrote them in the 16, 17, 1800s. They're all dead. But the evidence of their writing is in, is in those songs. God never dies. Some of the gifts in our lives will die, though, will go away. But there will always be the evidence, and that's God's love in us. Love is the goal. When he uses you to speak into someone else's life with a word of wisdom, or gives you a word of knowledge, or you discern spirits from evil to good, and you warn others as you speak into someone else's life, as you're able to use those gifts of service or activities, as it says in chapter 12, the goal is love. It's not me. Not like the Corinthianizers who wanted it all for themselves. It's all about Jesus, as Tony encouraged us in communion. God desires us to be like him, to love him, and love others with a love that's totally self-giving in John 17 if you love one another then the world will know that you love one another and that you are mine if you exercise the, and if you exercise these gifts natural or supernatural 
They must be done with this love, the love for God and love for one another, looking for the common good and not for my own success. Let's not be Corinthianizers. Let's be Jude Jesusizers, if you like. And so Jesus came to this earth to show not power over things, although he did, not for his own success, not for his own victory, although he gained that victory. He came completely with love. He came for love, and he came to shed his love into our hearts. Do you know that for yourself? Love is the essence of being a Christian. Do you know that for yourself? Are you here today because you are? To be with family? Just to be here because you're with them? Maybe you don't even know why you're here today. (laughs) But are you here today and yet you do not know that love that Jesus has for you? He wants you to know that love. He wants you to be connected to him. Let's pray. Lord God, we say thank you for this word out of 1 Corinthians. This beautiful love that you have for each one of us. This beautiful love that you shed abroad in our hearts. We realize, dear God, that without you we cannot love the way that you want us to love and the way that you want to pour into us with that love. So pray for those here today who don't know you, that your love would pour into them and they would see who you are, that they would know that they need you in their lives. For we each need you. We each need you desperately. Speak into each person here today, dear God, and draw us into that place where you want us to be. Thank you. Thank you so much for this word, this word of love, for the gifts that you give us, for not for our own good as an individual, but for the common good of your people. Help us to walk that way, every step of our way, every day. And so, Father, for those who don't know you, would you draw them to yourself? and draw us ever closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anyone who would like prayer today, who, who has heard God speak to them and say, I need that love, I don't know what that is, I would love to pray with you.